You're listening to Idiot Cast, Season 8, Episode 8, Huntery Hiroichi. After learning that Castiel plans to be a hunter, Sam and Dean join him in investigating a case where a man's heart literally bursts through his chest. That voice you heard at the top of the episode was one of our experts, Bianca. Hello. We're also joined by our other expert down in Texas, Annie. Hello. And we've got one of our newbies, Yvette. Hey, y'all. I am Paul Mackey, one of your other newbies in my living room in Duluth, Minnesota, with my lovely wife, Darcy. Here. Hello. Or another newbie. Yeah. 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 Hi. And this is, uh, as Bianca said, the... Uh, the full episode for Huntery Heroic Chi. Good job. Okay. Chi. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be Latin, like, you know, creature names. Yes, yes. Classified Although in it's interesting they, terms. Yeah, it's interesting that they called it Huntery Heroic Chi, but the, uh, the, uh, um, the one that actually showed on screen wasn't that. No. It was, yeah, it was, it was like Dean, it was Hunteress Herocus, I uh, think Hunteress is what Herocus. it was. Oh, well, I suppose the plural is Huntery Herochi, right? Is that how that works? I don't know Latin very well. Oh, good catch. Hunter, Hunteress uh. Herochus would be the singular and the plural would be Her- Herochi. And we got three hunters this time. Yep. Rolling. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Mm. All right, so we've got the cold open. A young couple meets in a park. Gary gets excited that Olivia showed up, and his heart starts to beat faster. Their romantic reunion is ruined when it beats right out of his chest like a gruesome Pepe Le Pew. (laughs) Or as another podcast that I was listening to today calls him, uh, Pepe Le Weinstein. (laughs) Uh, and speaking of uh, Gary Gary's last name is Freeling which is supposed to be a reference to Frizz Freeling the animator and creator of most of the Warner Brothers uh, characters yeah they're super cool interesting Sam, Cass, and Dean are taking a break at a gas and sip when Cass announces he's cut off contact with Heaven and wants to continue his atonement by becoming a hunter. He's even found a case in Oklahoma City. Bemused, the boys agree, but Dean insists that if Cass is going to be a hunter, there'll be no cheaty zapping around. Driver picks the music, shotgun shuts his cake hole, and the third wheel rides in the back. Hmm... <laughs> At the coroner's office, Cass is weird and overly sniffy with the corpse. Yeah, that was a little weird. I can smell his old bladder infection. <laughs> hmm. Men don't get 
bladder infections that much. Right, it's unusual. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why he smelt it on him. Sam brushes aside Gary's recent bladder infection to point out that he was cheating on his wife. Then goes into a predictably awkward flashback of meeting Amelia's dad. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one, I, yeah. The, the majority of the f- f- flashbacks in this episode, I didn't really see the, the, the connection. The, there was only the last one where there was the same line spoken in both of them. Living in a dream world. You didn't yeah. see the connection because there wasn't one. Oh. oh, there was. You just don't get it to <laughs> the very end. Yeah, it's it's just like a slow burn. It felt very much just in there to be in there. Like there wasn't enough of the cartoon story, so they had to give us something else. Or they're, <laughs> or they're trailing this whole Amelia, Amelia thing through most of the series, season and... Yeah, it would have been nice if they had like, um, like if they were at the house and they had an episode of cartoons on in the background or something. That would have been like nice, but yeah, just something to tie it into it. Like it just felt so random. I don't know if any of us are like clamoring to know what happened with Amelia. Like, (laughs) right. Yeah. Well, newbies, here's the time to say so. Are are you Amelia curious? Nope. <laughs> nope. This is like, oh, oh, yep, you're done. Bye. I want to know where the dog is, obviously. But other than that, <laughs> I like no Fs to give. Like, I'm just like, okay, whatever. So he had a failed relationship. Let's move on. As I've said earlier uh, in a different uh, in a different uh, episode, if Don comes back as a zombie, then that's kind of cool. And, hey, we're, we might be going that way. I doubt it. I doubt it. He's probably just, he was probably just MIA and, or misidentified remains or whatever. Yeah. At the victim's house, Cass plays bad cop and blabbermouth with Gary, Gary's widow. The boys discover that Gary had an open marriage and their theory of infidelity-related witchcraft is probably wrong. Hmm. I didn't catch um, just because I never watched it but Netflix subtitles alerted me to the fact that Cass is doing a Columbo impression when he's questioning the wife it says as Columbo in parentheses (laughs) 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 which I was like oh I didn't you know I've seen maybe one yeah I got one episode maybe of Columbo ever that I've seen, but he's, he's got the coat. I was just gonna say they probably did it because he has the coat, but I think that was a it's still funny without knowing he's supposed to be Columbo, so I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, that would be like I would never recognize that impersonation ever. Nope, me either. Yeah, I don't have like enough frame of reference for it, so I would just be like, okay, well, this is happening. Frame of reference, it didn't work out. I have watched a single episode (laughs) of Columbo. Really? Yeah. (sighs) All right. Well, I guess Columbo cast is coming next. And I don't have a a ton of experience, exposure to Peter Falk in general. No. No, same. I don't uh, really like Wings of Desire, and that's Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny enough to see him play bad cop, so still works. 
And hey, mm-hmm. Peter Falk was uh, was a uh, fallen angel in Wings of Desire. Oh, you're right. So, Cass, e. fallen angel, sort of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's what they were trying to do, and we didn't figure that out till just now. That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep digging you got to do that on that like one. feels like you're reaching there, Paul. You're reaching. <laughs> I might be. Yeah, we took a, we took a walk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got there. Yeah, we're going to get back on the path now. Okay. In another part of the city, a man who lost everything after investing in Roman industries, nice touch, mm-hmm. attempts suicide by stepping off a tall building. He stands on thin air long enough to rejoice that God wants him to live before looking down and plunging to his death. Called it. Cartoon rules. Well, I mean, it was pretty cartoony. I called cartoons in the first uh, first five seconds of the seeing the heart in the open. Yeah. But I didn't know why. But you don't fall till you look down. That's what he did. He didn't fall till he looked down. So I feel like I should admit at some point that I have not seen that many of like these sort of old school cartoons, like Bugs Bunny and all those sorts like Roadrunner like those were always so boring to me when I was a kid that I've never like sat down and watched a whole episode I'm gonna cry now (laughs) I was a hardcore like I wanted to watch a gem in the holograms like all the time (laughs) it's somewhat generational by the time by the time uh, because like we were watching the the late 70s early 80s the the CBS Roadrunner hour on CBS right I but that was that. pretty much done by, like, 86, 87. Yeah, but I wasn't watching cartoons after that. I was too old. Yeah. I was in high school. Right. Like, my cartoon heyday was, like, late 80s, early 90s. So, so CBS, I feel like I just didn't. Yeah, CBS's Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour was pretty much done by then. Yeah, I mean, the Roadrunner stuff was pretty dry. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, the, the conceit is what it is. Which is why the joke that Cass makes later on is so funny because it's like there's kind of no <laughs> nothing really there. Um, yeah, but you know, Wiley Coyote is the name of the coyote, and I remember ninth grade English class, Miss Clay, word wealth. She was like Wiley, meaning crafty, clever, sly, just like Wiley Coyote, and we were all like, oh. <laughs> Had no idea, so I will always remember that. But, you know, again, that's another thing you're not going to get when you're, like, six years old. <laughs> or, you know, however old you're supposed right, to be. Right, of course. find it funny, so. Yeah. Or, or, or all of the uh, celebrity impersonations and actual celebrities in all of those Warner Brothers cartoons. I... All the Cagney and everything else, and you're kind of like, okay, it's a guy. Now, yeah. because <laughs> I was sick as a child... Guess what I did? Well, you saw a bunch of those movies. On, I saw a bunch of those movies on the afternoon late movie. Night. Yeah, no, late, late night, night late because night, yeah. I would be up all night long, and that would be all that was on TV. So I did. I did all those things. Ah, I see. This times, this time, the boys pick up on the cartoonishness of the deaths and attempt to explain cartoons to Cass, who sees a deeper meaning after watching some television homework. He gets enough to define a loony death when he hears one, though and directs the boys to a failed bank robbery in which a security guard was flattened by a falling anvil. There's a burglar on the loose who always leaves a pair of black holes painted on the wall. 
Sam leaves with the detective to go over her files, and Dean explains the cartoon rules to cast. Doors can be painted on, anvils fall from the sky, and X always marks the spot. Yep. There you go. Back at the motel, Dean tries to talk to a morose Cass about resurrection syndrome. Under scrutiny, yeah. Cass grudgingly admits that he doesn't want to see what he did in heaven for fear of or did to heaven for fear of more self hatred. That was a weird little scene. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> the only person Dean knows how to be sensitive with is Cass. <laughs> he can't, like, be tender with his brother and ask his brother about things like this. But, but it's, also it's, Cass. it's also interesting because Cass, it's revealed later on that Cass is totally programmed to think that. He's not actually thinking that way at all. He, if, if given, when he has a moment to think for himself, he wants to go back to heaven and, and see if he can fix things when he's in Naomi's office. But when he's not in Naomi's office, he's following her commands without knowing it. Yeah. So her command yeah, I, is to not return to heaven. I think that, I think he was, you know, genuinely, he didn't want to go back to heaven for the reasons he stated. And the reason he changes his mind at the end of the episode is because he listened to what Sam had to say about running away from things. There's a lot of running away from things going on in this episode. That's what the flashbacks are about. True. Part of what the flashbacks are about. I mean... I don't know if I get that though. Like Dean's not, I'm sorry. Sam's not running away from anything in his flashbacks. Like he's just from the memory of Dean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like, I don't know exactly what we're supposed to be getting from those. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little obtuse, but he tells her dad that, you know, he was running away from Dean's death when he met Amelia. Um, And Sam is running away from what he did to, you know, in heaven and on earth, and uh, Fred is running away from just reality in general. Um, and also, the flashbacks didn't actually start until the whole subject of infidelity came up. Oh. And um, uh, at the end of the episode, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but at the end of the episode, yeah. you find out that he was committing accidental infidelity with Amelia. Good catch. So I think, you know, there's more there's more of a purpose to the flashbacks than it looks like there is, but it is it is pretty obtuse and easy to miss. Yeah. Especially since I accidentally watched this episode directly before we recorded the Nubentary. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and I still didn't catch that. So thank you, Annie. Sure. <laughs> Sam returns with news that each black hole robbery was surrounded by a radius of loony-level cartooniness, and with the exception of the security guard, the deaths appear to have been incidental to an area of collateral comic effect. Each robbery is connected to a resident at a local retirement home. At Sunset Fields, the boys investigate the residents and find nothing out of the ordinary except a lady who claims the cat sometimes talks... And really hates the mouse. <laughs> Where did you guys think it was going at this point? Like, <laughs> how did you think that it was going to be explained I away? I figured it out. I'm, 
I was just, I thought that somebody had some sort of juju, but I didn't know what. Sam, we're I think I was, oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think I was thinking it was another trickster the first time I watched it. Yeah, that's kind of like the vibe that you get. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam recalls a conversation with Amelia's dad about running from things and then recognizes the name of one of the residents, an old psychokinetic friend of John's. Far-fetched. Perfect. Okay. They find Fred in his room watching cartoons. He's totally lost in them, not responding to outside stimuli. They determine that Fred is the source of the phenomena, unwittingly projecting his cartoon reality in localized area around himself. Cass proposes killing Fred to stop the incidents and is overheard by director Mahoney. And all three hunters are evicted from the premises. While they are away, Fred's Woody Woodpecker cartoon manifests via a via an exploding cake. 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 That was a big cake. That big cartoon cake. Sure, but a lot of people feed, and a lot of people with diabetes. Oh, probably. They could have made it like with beet sugar or something. Something slower to metabolize? Yeah. Sure. Returning to investigate the cake incident, the boys find a nurse wearing Mrs. Tate's bracelet and her orderly boyfriend gut shot in Mahoney's office. The orderly confesses that Mahoney knows about Fred's bizarro bubble and uses him to commit robberies by transporting him around town, robbing Sunset Fields residents of their stashed valuables. Mahoney has taken Fred out for one last score and then to kill him. When the orderly objected to killing the old man, Mahoney shot him. On the hunt, the boys split up. So wait, the, the, did he have the guy far? Did he have Fred far enough away in the van already when he was proposing killing him to, to be able to shoot without getting the bang flag? Yeah, I think so. Must have been far enough away. Maybe he was asleep or something. Sure. On the hunt, the boys split up. Cat, Sam and Cass find Fred watching Looney Tunes in a van while Dean crawls through a black hole and into a bank vault. Fred is still unresponsive, so Cass transports himself and Sam into Fred's mind to make contact. They arrive in a trippy TV land where Fred is lucid and able to talk. They explain the situation to a skeptical Fred while Dean does cartoon battle with the grotesquous villainess at the bank. Fred is reluctant to leave his dream world until Sam explains that running away is no answer. Fred turns off the TV, and the group enters the bank just in time for Fred to force Mahoney to turn his non-cartoon gun on himself instead of Dean. Yeah, that was hardcore. That was pretty extreme. Now that he's awake, Fred worries he'll lose control and hurt someone again. Cass proposes a musical solution, helping Fred settle comfortably into a new dream filled with harmless classical music. He's just about to tell the boys why he can't come with them, he has to stop running, when he's yanked out of time by Naomi, who tells him to stay out of heaven. When she releases him, Cass instead tells the boys that he wants to stay with Fred for a while to make sure he's okay. 
Sam has one more flashback to dinner with Amelia and her dad. Sam tells her dad about losing Dean, and Amelia gets word that her husband is alive. In current time, Sam and Dean leave while Cass settles in next to Fred to lose themselves in Beethoven's Ode to Joy. Yep. That's the episode. And I think that end is a missed opportunity for Counting Crows. <laughs> Instead of Ode to Joy. Master Joe's and me. <laughs> Tell each other fairy tales. It goes. It goes. It does. It does. <laughs> but they didn't do it. They wanted to be more serious. <laughs> That is my go-to karaoke song, so I 100% agree with that. <laughs> Sha la 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 la. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Annie, thank you so much for doing that summary. Yeah, no problem. It was a little rough. I didn't. I did it at the very last minute, but yeah. No, it was very thank really you. good for being at last minute. Yeah. Agreed. It's kind of a kooky episode, and you summed it up well. <laughs> Thanks. And I. I didn't read in detail, but the uh, the Supernatural Wiki one was uh, long and involved. <laughs> Oof, so good. I'm glad we did not have to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This episode was so odd. It was kind of like, weird. Beso- like, besides, like, the cartoon stuff, like, just, like, the, the narrative was really, like, weird. <sighs> well, one of these boys wins the episode. Sam or Dean. I'm going to go with... Dean because he didn't find out that he was sleeping with like some married lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hard for Sam to win this one. Okay, uh, hang on for just one second. (coughs) (coughs) So sorry. I know you're coughing in their ear, and I would, uh, you know. Oh my gosh. Mute that, but whatever. I know. I just wanted. I had to get that out. All right. Good. Okay. Better now. Uh, yeah, Dean, well, yeah, Dean got to have all of the, I mean, whether it was cartoon fun or not, Dean, Dean got to have his, uh, his face in the frying pan, and... I still want oh, that yeah. prop. That's a win. That's an awesome prop. He might have been losing the battle for a while, but that's still a win. Getting to do all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun slapstick stuff. And I totally did not recognize at the end... When he didn't have a gun, he's like, no, but I have this. I was like, a miniature missile? A water bottle canteen <laughs> thing? seltzer bottle that looks a little weird? What, what are we doing here? Giant black magic marker. <laughs> Not look like spray paint. Oh, it's a giant black magic marker. Oh, so he's a jigglypuff? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but at the, like when you first see it, you're like, well, what, what? the hell yeah, is that you have? Yeah. I had a friend who got a giant blue magic marker about that size back in high school. What'd you guys do with it? He just drew stuff. X sniffed <laughs> it. <laughs> I had, he put a big dot of it on my on my on my hand. Mm, didn't put it on your shirt though. Your mom would have killed you. Probably. I don't know. So are we all deans? Yeah. We're all deaniacs yeah. this week. Yeah, okay. Because Sam just annoyed me. Yeah. I'll agree. Yeah, his flashbacks were annoying, so he loses for that yeah, as well. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if anyone wants to quote, this is the opening for that. There's a lot. There is a lot. Yeah, this one was pretty quotable. What's the word, Cass? 
It's a shortened version of my name. <laughs> oh, Darcy, do you not have any? Oh, no, never. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Annie, you want to go next? Um, sure, I'll quote the cat. Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the cat was voiced by uh, Robert Singer. Which is so funny. <laughs> the quote that I want, I'm trying to find it verbatim, but I can't. Um, at the beginning when he said, I'll be the third wheel. And Dean says, you know, that's a bad thing, right? And he's like, sure it is. <laughs> it adds extra <laughs> grip and stability. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, a great one. I understand. The bird re- represents God, and the coyote is man, endlessly chasing the divine, but never able to catch him. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'll interrogate the cat. <laughs> Oh, um, also trivia mixed in with a quote when um, they're discussing the wife of the man who died at the top and Dean is like, oh, the suburbs and Cass says, so she's not a witch? And he says, no, just the best wife ever. And Cass says, then what killed her husband? And Dean says, who gives that? And then it cuts to that (laughs) honking horn. I guess Jensen Ackles actually said like, who gives a F and they thought it was so funny that they like kept that in and made it into a joke um, by cutting it off with the honking sound effect. (laughs) I was like, Oh, that's fun trivia. (laughs) That is fun. Yeah. Um, What was the other trivia that I saw on here? Well, we just, now it we discovered during the, we discovered during the Nubentaria that the uh, that the old woman who had Mrs. Tate was uh, extensive voice actress in cartoons. And you did pick up on the Fred Jones thing, yeah, um, which was intentional. Um, and also, Fred Quimby and Chuck Jones were both directors of animation for a bunch of Tom and Jerry cartoons. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah. Both my kids went through a Tom and Jerry phase. They're six years apart, and both of them went through a phase where, like, that's all they would watch. Really? Yeah. I was watching it with Iris not too long ago, and she's like, Mom, you watch this? It's so violent. (laughs) (laughs) She's right. It is, but I didn't ever think of it that way. Did you? Um, I don't know. Yeah, probably not. I didn't think of it as being so violent. I didn't. And then they're like smoking, and my my daughter's like, they're smoking on TV! Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't do that anymore. You don't see it anymore, do you? And for a while, I think they were cutting that stuff out of the Tom and Jerry's, and they got such backlash that I think they put it back in. Well, we were watching on cable, so maybe it's different. No, I think it was on cable that they were doing the cutouts. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, should we go to feedback? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, we've got a little bit of feedback. One, one from Nutty and a, and a short bit from Simone that's uh, sort of non-feedback feedback. 
Uh, Nutty says, I love this episode so much. It cracks me up when Cass tries to be like Dean. He's totally doing that. The cartoon stuff is funny till it kills people. But I really did enjoy the fight with Dean and the Doctor at the end. BJ Honeycutt! As soon as you see him, you think, wait, this actor can't be catatonic the whole episode, right? He's BJ Honeycutt. <laughs> also in this rewatch, I realized the nurse's boyfriend and orderly is Don E. from Zo- iZombie. All I could think of was after this, he moves to Seattle, shaves his head, gets mixed up with Blaine, and then becomes a zombie. Wild ride for Don E. <laughs> this is one of those episodes that's really fun to rewatch. Thank you, Nutty. Yeah. Thanks, Nutty. Thank you. And meanwhile, Simone says, I'm not going to rewatch this one because I just started Jessica Jones. But it's not terrible. It's actually funny. It's Supernatural meets the Roadrunner. It's classic, cartoony, and pleasant. Thank you, Simone. Yay. Thank you, Simone. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah, no, I, I, did, I, did, I did like that. I, yeah, I picked up that... Uh, the cast was trying to do the dean at the first in the first one first uh, part of the episode when he was like, "This sounds like our kind of thing, right?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so cute because he's so pleased too about like being one of the guys. Mm-hmm. It's good to have cast back. Yeah, are we gonna rate this then? I suppose we are, no matter what. Well, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I thought, you know, I thought it was really, uh, interesting tonally because it's, it's like, it's got all the wacky cartoonness, but the tone is not, it's, it, you know, like, like someone, like you said, it was kind of like trickstery, but the tone wasn't quite the tone of the, uh, of like the, the changing channels episode. Yeah. It was kind of very, it seemed like a very normal episode tone with some cartoon stuff in it. Yeah, but I, yeah. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I just I just noted that, mm-hmm. um, and I'm really liking having cast back and being involved in a full episode. I really, and, and being not you know not not uh, I've got a bunch of leviathans in me, or I'm going to go and control the world or anything like that. Just being kind of wacky, not quite understanding everything. Cast. Uh, so I'm going to give this I, I think I liked it quite a bit I'm going to give it a 8 out of 10 wow. uh, Magic Remote Control Fingers <laughs> nice. Don't you wish you had one of those? I do I can change any cha- I can change anything on PBS with my finger At any time Eventually <laughs> you'll be able to like wear You know like little gloves And you just go like this I can just lay in a recliner with little, little Virtual reality gloves and just Yeah and work like that now I'll just be replaced by automation by then. Pretty much. <laughs> it's coming. What do you rate it, Darcy? Oh, let's see. Well, I did like the whole cartoon bits of it. That was that was fun, um, and I uh, I enjoyed how the that that storyline progressed. However, I was really put off by the whole. Sam Amelia's story. I wish they had just left that out. It really ruined it for me. You know, actually, I kind of, I, I, I kind of rated. I didn't rate against though that part. I, I am. I kind of ignored it. Apparently. Well, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna rate against it. So, um, 
Let's see. I'm going to give it only six out of ten uh, anvils. Ah! that's okay (laughs) we're thinking along the same lines though because i was trying to decide whether or not i wanted it to be like a seven but then i thought oh the cast stuff is so much fun that deserves another point but i think i'm gonna say 6.5 overall and then an additional 0.5 for all of the fun cast stuff. So, 7 out of 10. Um, the first time I saw this episode, the very first time, I hated it. I was like, what is this weird old man cartoon thing? This is dumb. Next. But um, I enjoyed it a lot after like seeing it more than just one time now. Um, so, yeah. Seven, 7 out of 10 pastry mishaps. <laughs> all right um i didn't love it um the cartoon stuff uh like i mentioned I, I didn't really watch these type of cartoons when i was a kid so this is it like doesn't really have that nostalgia factor for me the only sort of nostalgia factor i was getting from it was like who framed roger rabbit which was one of the first movies i saw in a theater uh, and i loved that so it did kind of have that feel but it was really good to have cast back. So I'm going to give it six and a half out of ten fluffy orange kitties. Oh. <laughs> My favorite part. He was adorable. So cute. <laughs> okay. Um, I like this one. I find it funny and entertaining. And um, Cass is just adorable. Um, and I also, you know, maybe because I was writing the summary and I felt like I had to pay extra attention but I actually ended up really kind of appreciating the way these flashbacks that didn't you know didn't seem to fit or make any sense like if you you know look at it sort of at the end of the episode they actually did have a purpose for being there and it was mostly because of uh, the subject of infidelity and there was this common theme of escape running away from things um but it's also a whole lot of fun, and Dean's face in a frying pan is pretty awesome. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a eight out of ten. Friggin' suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> that gives us a seven point one, and I think that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. totally fair. Yeah, I can only appreciate the subtlety of all of that symbolism when you explain it Annie <laughs> yeah, <same. laughs> like, it's too it's too far in there for me to like get it yeah yeah I think it, I might not have noticed it because I've never noticed it before <laughs> but you know I was writing the summary so that probably had something to do with it yeah that helps I like to pride, definitely I like to pride myself on being unspoiled and I won't go into detail in case nobody knows what I'm talking about but I wonder if Fred Jones comes back uh, the the season that's currently airing hmm <laughs> it's, 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 I'm covering my face with my hands some, sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's hard to avoid certain things yeah yeah that one yeah. anyways. What is our homework for next week? Uh, oh homework my God, for next I always, week. 
leave this behind. I just I've started just pulling it up at the la- like the last five minutes. I'm like, oh yeah, we need homework. Yeah. <laughs> so next week's homework is uh, season eight, cluster C, episode nine, Citizen Fang, and episode ten, Torn and Frayed. Oh, Citizen Fang is it another uh, another uh, Benny episode? Rosebud could be. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of things have fangs, though. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Werewolves have fangs, right? Would you call them fangs, or would you call them just teeth? Oh, are we back to back to the werewolves one more time, real quick? The, well, the, I'm just the saying. Got away. Fangs could be a python. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be a lot of things. Could be something new that we've never seen yet. Spiders have fangs. Could be something new that we've never seen yet. Could be. And then uh, Torden and Frayed. Uh, to, mm. Sounds like some bad genes. It sounds depressing. <laughs> Darcy. <laughs> I hate you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sound really old right now, but I am not gonna pay good money. To buy jeans that have holes in them already. I am not doing that. I didn't do it before. And I remember my mother maybe trying to convince me it was a bad plan. And I went ahead and I bought myself some acid wash jeans. And, like, they lasted two weeks because they fell apart. Yeah, I had stonewashed ones that totally just disintegrated. So it it is a bad plan to buy those, I'm just saying. And I found a chunk of pumice. It's just uh, that's just what's cool, though. It's what's cool. Yeah, but when you go into and the store, so hard and to explain that to your parents when you're young, like, but it's cool. But when you go into the store <laughs> and you look through the rack, and they've got the same four tears that have all been put in by by you know someone who's like, okay, I put the tear near the pocket, I put the tear near the knee, then I put another tear over here, and all of the pairs all the way through the rack all have the tear near the pocket, the tear near the knee, and the tear it's over here. It's part of the design. Yeah. And there's some poor person, it's their job to hold that stupid pair of jeans to belt sander. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. That's gotta be fun. Well, maybe the episode will be Darcy's Nightmare brought to life. No. Which, a torn and frayed pair of jeans. <laughs> or maybe it'll be... Plague or, or someone's set, mom. Or, or set or set in a, in a sweatshop where they're tearing holes in jeans. There you go. Never buying those. Never doing it. Well, I guess we could probably wrap up now. Now that we've gotten our old person yeah, this out of the way. Can't help it. <laughs> Sorry. That's all, folks. Yeah, that's all, folks. Uh, uh, happy hunting. <laughs> Happy hunting. Because it's wabbit season. Ah. It's wabbit season. I think you said Duck that season. correctly. <laughs> wabbit season. Duck season. You've been listening to Idgitcast from quadruplez.com. Join the discussion at facebook.com slash We would love to hear from you. You can email us or send in an MP3 voice message. Please use the episode title as your subject line to help protect our newbies from spoilers. Our email address is idgitcastpodcast at gmail.com. The opening theme for Idgitcast is by Borrowed Trouble. You can find the band at borrowedtrouble.com. The lyrics and vocals are by Idgitcast founder Allie Jones, who you can learn all about by visiting imthewonderband.com. 
The closing music you are listening to, even as I speak, is Too Good, written and performed by Jack Mangan, and is used by his generous permission. You can find other music, writings, and discussions by Jack, as well as archives of his own deadpan podcast at jackmangan.com. You may wish to know more about the hosts of this show. Yvette can be heard as one of the hosts of Investigating Mars, a completed introcast about the TV series Veronica Mars, also available from quadruplez.com. And now, Yvette will tell you all about select movies from the Lifetime Network. Find out before you watch what movies have all the best people, who are the worst, who is killing who, and most of all, what, if anything, makes sense. Yvette presents this trove of information at moviesofalifetime.com. Annie works as Global Coordinator for Can't Stop the Serenity, a worldwide series of screenings of Joss Whedon's Serenity benefiting Equality Now. For more information on Can't Stop the Serenity, including event listings and how to host your own event, visit can'tstoptheserenity.com. Bianca doesn't currently have projects available for you to find online, but all of us at Idgicast encourage you to have a visit to your local public library. Darcy and I can also be heard on the Ghostlight Podcast, a completed introcast for the television series Slings and Arrows. Slings and Arrows is on the Encore Plus YouTube channel, and you can hear our thoughts on the series on the Ghostlight Podcast at quadruplez.com. Why don't we have any cake? I haven't baked a cake. Why not? <laughs> uh, I, I had a micro bake when I was younger and used to love singing that theme song. You mean the easy bake? No, it was a micro bake. What's that? <laughs> Which is like an easy bake oven that you put in the microwave. Huh. Or something. Weird. And the theme song was If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd have baked a cake in my micro bake. In my micro bake. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that. It doesn't sound familiar, yeah. It was probably short lived. Was that but... in the 90s? Yeah. I didn't have TV in the 90s, so there you go. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake in my microbake, in my microbake. It's the new microbake cake maker. Make the mix from real store-bought ingredients, pour it in a special microbake pan, and put it in mom's microwave for five minutes, and out comes a delicious microbake cake. Mix, pour, and microbake for cake making fun in just five minutes. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Microbake Cake Maker comes with everything you see here from Just Toys. 